Video of a former president going viral on social media tonight. It comes from a speech George W. Bush gave tonight at the Bush Center in Dallas. While speaking about the authoritarian regime in Russia and Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, Mr. Bush made a verbal blunder. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. <laughs> Iraq, too. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> 75. Uh, Mr. Bush's reference to his age, 75 years old, drew nervous laughter from the crowd. More than 4,000 American troops were killed in the Iraq war, along with tens of thousands of Iraqi civilians. In other remarks, Mr. Bush referred to Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky as, quote, a cool little guy and the Churchill of the 21st century. Good afternoon, everybody, or good evening, or maybe even good morning, depending on where you are. And to all the astronauts who are floating in space and orbit around our beloved Earth, we say good space day to you all, and thank you for your service among the stars. You're tuned into the Election Profit Makers. What is it? It's a one-of-a-kind podcast hosted by two rascals. There's no other way to put it. Why sugarcoat it? I'm sick of the bullshit. We're a couple of rascals. And we teach you how to win and lose money betting on political outcomes and current events. It doesn't matter how dire the news gets. We always find the brighter side of the headlines. How? By making tons of money off of horrible atrocities and scandals. My name is Kid Midas, the original wave rider. And I'm joined on the line by the one and only Long John Silver. John, are you there? Yeah. Hey. How are you What's doing, up? John? I'm doing great. I'm oh, I'm so great. happy to hear that. Yeah. That sounded sarcastic, but I am happy to hear that. No, I am doing great. I had oh, a great really? weekend. Yeah, I followed all this basketball, all the oh, teams right. that I hated lost. You know, my team was not playing at all. So I was just sitting there praying for everybody to biff it. And they all did. So. And if you'd like to hear more about the NCAA tournament, as only the election profit makers can provide, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash election profit makers, where we are posting, I would say twice weekly or bi-weekly recaps of the latest action on the hard court. Is that what you call it? The hard court? Yep, that's right. Remember when you would read old timey novels about Western pioneers and they would eat hardtack? What is hardtack? Is that beef jerky? I don't know. Hardtack. Yeah, to me, it, 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 it sounds like a shoe. After a long day of travel west, Cyrus and company dismounted their horses and had a dinner of cold biscuits and hardtack. I feel like I've read a sentence like that a hundred times in different novels. Right. And then if it's a Cormac McCarthy novel, then someone says, then he shaved all the hair on his body and slaughtered a hundred innocent indigenous people and then killed and raped everybody else. Yeah. You ever read Blood Meridian? Have you ever read that novel? No. It probably doesn't say indigenous people, though. Probably not because it's written from the perspective of olden times. Right. It's probably like they killed a hundred Indians. That's yeah. a crazy novel. They say they're going to make a movie based on that novel, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. That's my prediction. It just can't huh. be filmed. It's too much. That's a good prediction. Thanks. Yeah. Let's go to our predicted portfolios and see. Let's check in on the Cormac McCarthy markets. They should, <laughs> oh my gosh. Imagine if they had a literary, uh, literary predicted so market. Great. You would be crushing that because I know you love the literary scene and you're so plugged into the latest. Oh my god! Gossip. There's nothing better than when I go to a party and there <laughs> and there's a bunch of uh, literary people there. Mm -hmm. You're talking about that legendary evening we spent with John Hodgman and family in Maine, and they had a dinner party, and a bunch of New York literary agents came. You oh were truly god. thriving. 
it was the best night of my life. Yeah, I was totally. loving it. Well, now you know what it's like for me when you talk about these fucking basketball games all day and yeah. night. Well, John, let's see. This is, you know, I was thinking about it. This is a very, this, this has the potential to be a very interesting week. We are currently celebrating the 20th anniversary of the start of the Iraq War, which has everyone in high spirits. We also, did you read the New York Times article about the guy coming out and being like, oh yeah, the, the, I, the conspiracy theory about an October surprise during yeah. the Reagan-Carter? Like, that happened. I was involved in that. The Wait Reagan administration did plead with Iran not to release the hostages until after Reagan had won the election. But was it a conspiracy theory? I thought- Okay, so when that happened, I was, uh, what, eight years old? Right. It was 1980. Yeah. I mean, my eight-year-old self knew that that's what happened. Well, let me me finish making my point before we dive into the particulars of this. So we have the Iraq War, and one of the amazing things about the Iraq War is that it seems like many of the – People who agitated for it most loudly, like they've suffered no consequences for being so wrong. You know, like we've already talked about Thomas Friedman. We don't need to talk about Thomas Friedman Mm. anymore. But I was thinking about it like Joe Biden supported the Iraq war. He wound up being president. Right. And then I was thinking, you know what? If Barack Obama had supported the Iraq war, he probably wouldn't have become president because during the primaries in the early days of the primaries, that was a big selling point of his. And he brought it up fairly often mm-hmm. that Hillary Clinton supported the Iraq war and he didn't. And I feel like for a lot of people, that was just an, as an effective hook as him not being a white guy, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, a lot of the pundit class, a lot of the analyst class, the people who are literally paid to be smart <laughs> got it so wrong. And and I just... It's a source of endless fascination. And I guess if I'm being totally honest, a wee bit of frustration because these fuckers are still out here saying a bunch of bullshit about other stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the context in which that or that's the background in which we have this other bit of news, which is we're all waiting on tenterhooks for the um, indictment of former President Donald J. Trump, which he said would happen today, Tuesday. We're recording this on a Tuesday. And I don't know if it's going to happen today, but it's it's an interesting contrast between the types of things that people are 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 called to account for and have to answer for versus the things they don't have to answer for. Let this be a lesson to you, listeners. You can agitate and write countless words and go on TV and argue for a disastrous war, like truly one of the biggest fuck ups this country ever committed. This is a world world historical fuck up, if you ask me, and you'll probably be fine, right? Mm-hmm. But if you try to take some hush money to pay off a porn star that you had sex with in the context of a presidential campaign filing report, you better be <laughs> careful because you might get in trouble. And if it wasn't Donald Trump, if it was somebody else, he probably wouldn't have gotten in trouble. That's what I think. Now, am I happy Maybe. he got in trouble? Of course I'm happy he got in trouble. I live to see Donald Trump get in trouble. I wish he got in trouble every damn day because he drives me crazy and I'm not a fan and I said it and I don't care who hears me. Anyway, I was just thinking about different types of different types of crimes and, and the types of crimes that are punishable and the types of crimes that are kind of so massive or ideological that there's no 
mechanism in which charges can be brought or consequences can be meted out. It's just stuff to think about. You know, I've been doing some pondering lately, John. Yeah. On these rainy LA days, they it turns one's mind to pondering. So I guess I just wanted to acknowledge the 20th anniversary of the Iraq War and all the wonderful people who made it happen, who are still very much a part of our lives and are still valorized and celebrated by even people that you and I might otherwise admire. I guess, John, the 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 his the earth turns and history moves forward and like sands through the hourglass. So are the days of our lives. I guess that's the end of my little opening statement. John, why don't you take over for the rest of the podcast? Uh, I'd like to wish my dad a happy 80th birthday. Oh, hell yes. Um, yeah. I remember this, my dad's 60th birthday quite vividly because I was, uh, we were all getting on a plane to go to Boston to see my sister. And that is when the Iraq war started. Um, so yeah. Happy birthday, dad. Happy birthday, Mr. Kimball, if you're listening. Does he listen to this podcast? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. But my mom listens. Oh, boy. She'll tell him. Well, Mrs. Kimball, I hope you're doing well, and I hope you'll tell your beloved husband, Mr. Kimball, that Kid Midas, the original Wave Rider, wishes your husband yeah. all the best for his 80th birthday. There you go. How about that? Um, there were Hans no... Blix. I'm going to throw some names at you. See if you remember these names from, from the okay, early yeah, days yeah, of the yeah. record. Here we go. Hans, Hans Blix. Remember Hans him? Hans Blix. Yeah, he was always on the... TV, it's saying, yeah, we're out there looking, we're looking for these, um, these weapons, right? Yep. Weapons yep. of... Of mass destruction. That's right. Scary weapons. Joe Wilson. Joe Wilson, that is the um, husband of Valerie Plame Wilson, who was an undercover CIA agent at one point and got outed. He was outed because he wrote an editorial in the New York Times saying, listen, these guys sent me to Niger to find some uranium of and Saddam Hussein. There wasn't anything there. Yeah. Dick Cheney got pretty happy about that. Yeah. And so they outed her in. Uh, right. Yeah. As retaliation. Right. George W. Bush. I remember, remember him. He's a famous painter. <laughs> yes. A portraitist and cowboy. Yes. Yes. Like a clear brush mm -hmm. on his. Uh, where was it? On his ranch and um Was it Waco where his ranch no, was? No, it wasn't Waco. Well fuck, where was his dumb ranch? Where was it? God. I feel like it was outside Waco. What was it called? I can't remember. See, things yeah. are slipping away. It's been twenty I know. years. It's yeah, been twenty I long him. years. Yep, give me another one. Muqtada al Sadr. Remember him? No. Who was that? Was he He ran Sadr City, which was like this um he created like his own mini municipality and it was all hardcore. Fuck. What, what was he? A Shiite? Bathist. No, he wasn't a Bathist. He was anti-Saddam. Okay. He was creating his own like. Oh, his okay. Own all right. Government structure and sponsoring terrorism and stuff. He was kind of tough. I watched this documentary once called Iraq and Fragments and it was really great. And it was about, it followed three different people or it was set in three different locations around Baghdad, I think. And one of them was set in Sadr City, which was Muqtada El Sadr's little company town, if you will. Uh, Saddam Hussein, you remember that name? Yeah, remember him. He was the reason for the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. He 
was he didn't have anything to do with 9-11. And I guess they never said he technically had anything to do with 9-11, but were they pushing it very hard? Did they that... want us all to think that very much? Yeah. Intimation at all? Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. wild. Well, they could talk about just terrorism and Saddam yeah. has terrorized people too long and he's terrorizing his neighbors. And yeah. we don't want the smoking gun to come in the form of a mushroom cloud. Condoleezza Rice. That was one on, of her big, um, yep. Meet, well, the she on press, meet the Press. Yep. About the same time that they stovepiped that report in the New York Times. Now we're talking about stovepiping intelligence. You know it's on right now if we're talking about okay, the stovepipe. Okay, you, you want to talk about Curveball? Yeah. Remember Curveball? Yeah, Curveball. Curveball was like a faulty intelligence source from within Iraq who was feeding them a bunch of bullshit, right? Yes, yes. Oh my God, I forgot about Curveball. Yeah, I had And to. what was the name of the guy within Iraq and he had written an he had written a book about Saddam and the Bath Party before the war, and he became a real cause celebre among like the neocons because he was an Iraqi who was agitating for regime change. Oh yes, he was a really actually like a really sympathetic guy. Yes, he had yes. lived through oh. it. Oh, oh it's on the tip name? of my tongue. Right, and then ap- years later, after the war, he was like, yeah. I feel kind of weird about that. That didn't really go well. <laughs> that guy, that was always like, I always felt for him more than I felt for like fucking Michael Ignatia for Thomas Friedman or all these other people who thought it was a good idea to go to the, you know, oh, what was Iraq. his name? God, what the he fuck also had a name? very sort of innocent countenance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Boy, there were a lot of players. A lot of players. They had to make a deck of playing cards. Some of your our younger listeners might not remember this, but the military made a deck of playing cards of the 52 most wanted Iraqi officials and military yeah. uh, bigwigs, which I actually never found that that offensive. That kind of- Neither did sense. I. Like, I actually, that's the one thing. Okay. Don't cancel me here. Okay. But that was the one thing that I was like, yeah, it's pretty smart. Yeah, because Americans, you know, if you're in the military and you're over in Iraq, you carry around this deck of playing cards. I mean, it's a little gross because it's like gamifying right. imperialist death and destruction. And maybe it was just for propaganda and probably to was. gamify probably it. Was but, for, but, right. but I bought into the, oh, yeah, they'll be playing cards. And so they'll become familiar with the faces. They couldn't do that today because everybody would be on their phones. Maybe they'd have these, an app or something. I'm sure they have apps now. There's got to be special pentagon yeah. only war apps don't you think yeah tiktok T- oh tiktok yeah yeah all right let's just do a couple more names for the benefit of everyone just doug so we fife. can all doug fife D- did he run the in- defense intelligence agency he was stovepiping like a mofo wasn't he like one of the main stovepipers i just remember someone calling someone in the in the defense department calling him the stupidest motherfucker alive or something like that right just for the ideas that he came up with. Maybe it was Tommy Franks. It's like all the Fox News texts among the hosts about how crazy Giuliani and Sidney Powell are. Right. They say that off screen. Like these people are fucking crazy. Rumsfeld, of course, Rumsfeld after 9-11, the day of 9-11, wrote himself a note that said, hit S-H hard. Right. Donald Rumsfeld, former Secretary of Defense. Talking about Saddam Hussein. Currently burning in hell, I've heard. <laughs> the flames of hell licking his feet, I think. 
Yeah. D- Dick Cheney and George W. Bush are still alive, right? Yep. Yep. Colin Powell has died after his legendary uh, set at the United Nations doing prop comedy with his little vials of imaginary <laughs> imaginary <laughs> mustard gas or WMD juice yeah. or whatever he was doing. Yeah. I feel like he never really suffered enough for that. For that. That was no. that was a bad look for Colin Powell. Yeah, he claimed that he knew. Colin Powell and Thomas Friedman, I think, were the two guys who got a lot of well-meaning liberals to sign up and go along with this cause, the Iraq War. You know, mm-hmm. those were the two guys with those wide, friendly faces who always seemed to have such good judgment and could maybe could be a moderating Im- influence on the bad guys. And it didn't really turn out like that. And then we have, of course, one of the early appearances in our in our brains of um what's his name eric prince of blackwater remember that contracting firm blackwater of course yeah who is related to former secretary of education betsy devos that's right so it all comes back yeah blackwater then they changed their name to zay and that yeah xe or something yeah yeah that that was a real downgrade yeah and blackwater was based in Moyoc, North Carolina. There we go. Right. There we go. Right on the border with Virginia. So not very far from the Tidewater military industrial area of Virginia, but it was technically in North Carolina. Um, Yeah, I forgot that's where Blackwater got their start, and they're still around. There's got to be a way that we could fuck up as much as those people did and not get in trouble. There must be a certain set of conditions under which... We could get away with something like that. I don't know what it is. I guess it's all just who you know, right? Is that what it is? Is it just like showbiz? Is war making just like showbiz? It's all about who you know. You just got to mingle and circulate and be at the right parties at the right time and know the right people. And then you just fail up and up and up and up. And next thing you know, you're directing like Fantastic Four number seven. Mm -hmm. Even though your last three movies have bombed at the box office, they're still letting you direct a movie. That could be me. I want that to be me. I have so many ideas for Fantastic Four number seven. Stretch Man. His name is Reed Richards and he can stretch as far as he wants. But in my movie... In my pitch for that movie, Reed Richards. I think that's his name, Reed Richards. See, the Fantastic Four, John. See, if you I'm don't thinking know. of Richard Reed. Remember him? Oh wait, Richard Reed. Is he an Iraq War guy? Was a shoe bomber. Oh fuck! Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Richard should we get Reed. Into, should we get the into failed, the anthrax? The and... failed shoe bomber <laughs> yeah. who who stumbled into being the person who has had more influence over American culture than any other individual. This guy yeah. couldn't even blow up a fucking shoe and we're still taking our shoes off at the yeah, airport. That truly is like the uh, the amount of influence versus the amount of yeah. effort he put into it. That guy was probably like, I'm going to stick a cigarette lighter in my shoe and blow up this plane. 20 years later, we still have to take our shoes. I think 9-11 really fucked this country up. It really fucked us up. I think it was more than a cigarette lighter. I think he had C4 explosives. Yeah, but it wasn't that. I mean- I think he was going to, it probably would have hurt the plane had he pulled it off. I thought he did light it and it just didn't work. No, he got attacked. He got attacked by the passengers. Nobody puts up with anything anymore. I don't know. Maybe too much time's gone by. Maybe they could pull 9-11 off again. I don't know. Anyway, Reed Richard. Yeah, uh, yeah. Reed Richards. Stretch stretch man. But he's not Stretch Armstrong. I get, you can't, he's called Mr. He's called Plastic Man. He's called Plastic Man. That's what it is. It's like a real Cold War comic book because they named him after Plastic, which is like the big innovation. (laughs) If you like now, they were like, 
AI man or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Crypto, hey, like crypto boy. David is mistaken here. Plastic Man is a different superhero from the guy from the Fantastic Four. The guy from the Fantastic Four's superhero name is Mr. Fantastic. Both of these men have the ability to stretch to grotesque lengths, as does Stretch Armstrong. So Reed Richards is going up in space with his family, with his wife, and I think his son or nephew, and then another guy who was just like this big hulking tough guy. Is this really happening or is this something? No, this is the backstory to Fantastic Four. Give me the context for my reimagination of the IP. And they went up in space in a rocket and they got too close to the sun or they got trapped in an asteroid belt. And then they each came back to Earth with different powers. Reed Richard can stretch and stretch. They should call him Pilates Pete, if you ask me. His wife can turn invisible. You can't see her. If, if she wills that you don't see her, she's gone. She's invisible. Their son became something called the Human Torch, and he bursts into flame. And I think he can shoot. Oh, wait a minute. Because there's another guy who is like all about making ice, and he can do this really cool thing where he can shoot ice out of his fingers and make a bridge and then run across the bridge to span two distances. Yeah. That must be a freeze frame. That can't be his name. Really? Freeze frame? Freezazoid. (laughs) Yeah, Freezazoid, the legendary Marvel character. And then the other one, this other poor slob from the Fantastic Four, he came back to Earth and now he's just made out of orange boulders and they call him the thing. It's like so disrespectful. (laughs) Can you imagine? Like, before we hit that fucking asteroid belt, I was. Tom Williamson or whatever. Now you're just going to call right. me the thing? Come on now. So what was his power? He was just made out of rocks. He was like so a he... pile of rocks in human form and he could probably smash stuff. Like okay. the Hulk. You know how the Hulk is like. Um, yeah. But the Hulk has like a whole psychological thing where it's all about his suppressed anger. But I think the thing is always just a huge pile of orange rocks. Yeah. Kind of looks a little bit like the red clay that defines the topography of our home state of North Carolina. Maybe there's a North Carolina connection there with the Fantastic Four. Maybe. Anyway, in Fantastic Four Chapter 7, which is the pitch I'm going to do, Plastic Man, if he stretches too much, his arms and legs will will break. So he has to be more careful about that. And the thing starts to uh, – I don't know. I, I'm not going to do this right. anymore. Let's get I drank to- so much water yeah. before we started. How are you feeling? So I got to I, I got to take a break. You go and take a break and I'll just sit here and sh- I did talk it so it. we wouldn't have any weird mouth noises. No, I love it. I'm, I'm not paying the mouth. price. Yeah, I'm paying go. The- you can go. Go. OK. All right. <clears throat> Folks, we'll be right back. Well, John's using the restroom. I'll play a traditional Irish jig. Hey, welcome back. I thought of another classic name from 20 years ago. Um, Jeff Gannon. Ahmed Chalabi. I think that might have been who I was thinking of. Who, who, it's who, two which... different guys. It's two different. Ahmed Chalabi was like the bad version of the guy we're thinking okay, about. Okay, but our Ahmed... guy, the good guy also had a C in his name. Yeah, he did. But Ahmed Chalabi was like, he was the guy who was an Iraqi exile and the neocons loved him and they wanted to install him as like the leader of Iraq. They called him the George Washington of Iraq. Okay. And he was totally just out for himself. But like he went into Iraq with like hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash that that we gave him to like right. take over. And everyone in Iraq was like, 
we're not gonna we don't know who the fuck this guy is this guy hasn't lived here in 30 years he's not gonna be the king of iraq or whatever and so then this guy i was just i was just reading up on him this is not from memory Okay. Then, uh, so he fell out of favor among the United States. So what did he do? He ran to Iran and just became like, tried to become like a muckety muck in Iran trying to exert influence in Iraq. What a mess. What a, what a delightful mess we made. It really was a big mess. It was wild stuff. Ahmed Chalabi. Paul Wolfowitz was so into him. Why did we do this? Why did we do it? It's so crazy. I know. We, I know that. Well, John, it's interesting you say that here in Silicon Valley because it makes me think of three bubbles. We had the tech bubble. don't do it. And the terrorism bubble. Right. And what they needed to see was American boys and girls going door to door from Basra to Baghdad Mm -hmm. saying, which part of this sentence don't you – I can't believe I'm doing this from memory. That's so pathological. How many times have I listened to that clip? That is insane. We're done talking about the Iraq war. And just as importantly, we're done talking about my reboot for the Fantastic Four, which I've realized in talking about it still needs a lot of work. There's not much to say about Trump's indictment because it hasn't happened and it hasn't also really moved the market on predict it. Although, well, let's see. Trump's down one cent at 37. Ron DeSantis is up to 43. So I was looking at a rival prediction market, poly market today, and they had uh, whether Trump would be arrested today was trading at six cents. So it's clearly not going to happen today. Do, should we switch, Mark? Should we get into poly market? I don't know if we... I, I, I Because I was awful. kind of wishing there was a market about the indictment. Yeah. Maybe we should. What are we going to do? I don't know. So Trump said he was going to be arrested today. Last week on Trump, Trump's social media account, he said, I'm going to be indicted on Tuesday. Everybody go crazy or whatever. Like... The, the racist DA is going to indict me next Tuesday. I need your support. Let's take our country back. Right. So the DA is still weighing charges right now uh, based on the grand jury, which is still – hasn't uh, adjourned yet. Is that what a grand jury does? They've convened, but they have not yet adjourned. Yes. So yeah, I it, part of me doesn't believe this is going to happen. Uh, but um, you mean ever? No, it's definitely going to happen. Yeah. Uh, again, going back to poly market, they had will Trump be indicted in 2023? And that had gone from like 50 cents to 95 cents in the last three weeks. So uh, people clearly believe that he's going to be indicted maybe multiple times. So what's the deal with poly market? It, it, it's offshore. So I don't think we can legally be using it. Americans are surely using it, right? Or else we yeah, wouldn't have heard yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to have a, um, you know, a VPN or something. Oh, is that true? Yeah, I think that's how it works. Oh, that sounds, I don't, uh, maybe we should steer clear. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe we should, uh, maybe I should know, l- learn a little more about it. Learn a little bit more I about it. I don't want to learn anymore though. It took, it was hard enough learning predict it. Now predict it's easy. You mastered it within, within weeks you had mastered it. Yeah, but these other ones are all blockchain and crypto. Oh, really? I don't want to do that then. Is it yeah. all, is it all crypto based? Yeah, there's some crypto stuff. Right. But is that the only way to access the market? I'm not sure. Okay, find find out because I would this week I was really fiending for an actual indictment market, and I know I would have lost hundreds of dollars on wish betting, but still, predict it has eleven markets left, and it's just like, bro, the, uh, there's no action here. 
Have you noticed a wave of nostalgia in popular culture? Yes. Old songs creeping up the charts? All your friends watching movies from the 90s? Are you interested in exploring odd pieces of the past, like the way the fight over an Elvis postage stamp overlapped with the 1992 presidential election? What? Why old dolls are creepy, but new toys look aggressively cute? Why modern technology feels more sad than futuristic? (laughs) Number one with a bullard is a free weekly newsletter that covers all this and more. Gabe Bullard is a journalist who has spent years studying nostalgia and pop culture. You can find the newsletter in the link at GabeBullard.com. That's B-U-L-L-A-R-D.com, GabeBullard.com. There are also occasional number games. What? John, do you remember when we were talking about the Chinese weather balloon that some people incorrectly called a spy balloon? And I was talking about that French children's movie called The Red Balloon, where where a red balloon follows this French kid around the streets of Paris for 30 minutes. Yeah. Well, this kind of blew my mind. I hadn't heard from Donald Trump Jr. in a while. Donald Trump Jr. is the um, son of former President Donald J. Trump. And he used to email me a lot, and I hadn't received any emails from him recently. And then I got an email from him the other day. Subject line was, this is a huge advance in the culture war. The email came from the email address of contact at email.callingallpatriots.com. So I knew it was going to be good. I was happy to take the call. Listen to what he said. This is Don Jr., remember. Dear friend, the culture war is coming to corporate America. That's why redballoon.work is so important for our nation's future. Red Balloon is a first-of-its-kind job board connecting motivated job seekers with good companies who won't force them to pledge allegiance to a bunch of woke policies. Red Balloon, they named a right-wing job-hunting site after the most beloved French children's film of the 20th century. How can you sit there and look at me and not say this is intriguing? I don't think that did anybody on the right would make that connection. I think they would just look at a red balloon as being um, pretty generic. Red balloon. Why, uh, Why did they choose a golden balloon? parachute? Yeah, it should have been red parachute, but you know, for like what color is your parachute? Red balloon. I'm so offended that they're doing this on the 20th anniversary of the Iraq war when we had to invade Iraq without the help of those cheese-eating surrender monkeys. Yeah. America is number one. I'm going to say it. I don't care. Yeah. Who you're with a bullet. Yeah, with, a bu- with many bullets. If you want values-aligned job seekers, then you need to post your jobs on Red Balloon. And if you're an employee, even if you already have a job, you should post your resume on Red Balloon and see what opportunities are out there. The parallel economy is real. We need to stop funding companies that hate our values. God. John, I have a proposition for you, and that's that we both post our resumes on Red Balloon and see what kind of jobs we are offered. Okay. We might be able to work for like Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, we might. How uh, redballoon.work. That's horrible. You don't like redballoon.work? No. Red? No. 
redballoon.org. They should at least have redballoonwork.com. They don't. Find a Uh, job that respects your values. Okay, job title or keywords. It is so easy to make money on the right. You just take something that's happening in the the real world. is insane. And then just make make a new bank and then just say it's the red bank. Right. It's the uh, red LinkedIn. It's the red Twitter. Okay, so I went on redballoon.org. I said that I was interested in jobs in the entertainment industry and that I was located in Los Angeles. And no Los Angeles listings came up, but a bunch of stuff in Austin, Texas came up, Hmm. including VFX artist at True Play Games. We're building an interactive content platform for children. Our platform resonates with our four foundations of fun, beauty, excellence, and God's truth. Children spend countless hours on screens. There's hardly any faith-based content in the app stores. True Play is an engaging and transformative entertainment platform that invites you into a world of hope and God's truth. So they need a VFX artist to help them make Bible-based video games. Now, I've worked in the animation field. Yeah, right? Yeah. They also need an animator, a product manager, a senior back-end engineer, a financial planning and analysis analyst, and a chief financial officer. Okay, so True Play must just be getting started. All right. Hmm. Hmm. I wish they had stuff in Los Angeles. I really don't want to relocate to Austin. Texas. Do they have anything Austin? in North Carolina? Um, let's see. Entertainment in North Carolina. Let's see what we got here. Senior VFX developer for Blackwater Consulting. No. Hi there, everybody. We're a fun values-based consulting group, and we want to start making video games. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I'll enter, um, I'll enter um, internet for you, plus okay. North Carolina. Here we go. Christian FinTech CO integration support and onboarding specialist, but you'd have to be based in Las Vegas. When I went and watched this um, redballoon.work video on the video social site called Rumble, have you heard of Rumble? Yep. Yep. Red Balloon only had 40 followers. That's not a lot of followers, right? Uh, Where were the followers? On Rumble. On Rumble. I I don't know. I mean, it probably is just launching. Right. Okay. How many followers does it have on Twitter? Twitter.com. What should I search? Red Balloon? That's a good start. Oh, it says, at Red Balloon, it says, Hello, we are the uh, French children's film. We are not associated with the right-wing job site. Uh, Thank you very much. Merci. Just kidding. (laughs) Red Balloon is somebody named Sabrina with 33 followers. So I will search Twitter for Red Balloon. Uh, Redballoon.com is owned by a company in Seattle. Okay, here we go. Red Balloon, free to work. America's Job Board, connecting serious job seekers with non-woke employers. I'm going to guess how many. How many? I'm going to guess how many. Let me finish reading the description in the bio. Red Balloon. America's Job Board, connecting serious job seekers with non-woke employers who won't force employees to compromise their faith or values. Retweet does not equal endorsement. Redballoon.org. Joined July 2021. How many followers do you think they have? 241. No, they have... 3,808. Oh, not bad. Yeah. Not as many as me. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, guys, if you're if you're looking for a job, your best bet is to DM John Kimball on Twitter, at John Kimball, and he'll hook mm. you up with the job, guaranteed. I need to go get some water. Are you serious? I love yeah. this. Go. Yeah, go, go. I love it. Oh, I, I, hope you take it. Ten, I hope you take 10 breaks every recording session, getting water, releasing water. Water goes in, water goes out. That's the way that's the way it's supposed to be, friends. 
I'll take this opportunity to take a healthy swig of water myself from my wonderful silver water bottle that I own. And now I'll sit around and wait for John, and I'll drum my fingers on this table, and just watch the world go by in my little recording booth that I've built here. Hmm. More rain in Los Angeles. I can't believe it. Sunny Los Angeles? Not anymore, friends. This is day one of three more days of rain, if my phone is correct. Can't believe how much water has come down. This would be John Kimball's worst nightmare. So much water. LA has never been wetter. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a longtime Los Angeles resident. He said this is the craziest winter since the 1980s. And you can take that to the bank. The weather bank. Turn on your hot light. I really hope John, <laughs> I really hope John is hydrating by every time he's thirsty. He doesn't bring a bottle of water up into his recording area. He, every time he's thirsty, he goes downstairs to his kitchen, pours himself a glass of water, drinks a glass of water, puts it down on the kitchen counter, and then walks back up to his recording area. I pray he's not bringing water into his recording area. All right. Oh, you brought the, okay. So you brought a water glass up with you. Sorry, it took so long. I had to pee as well. You must have a small bladder. I've drank so much water. Before. I love it. You've never sounded better. And the energy is great. I think water can give you, oh my God. Okay, slow down, slow down. Don't be a hero. Wow, you just drank a whole pint glass of water in one go. Yeah. I'm still trying to remember the name of that book written by the, by the Iraqi exile. And that, then you'll be able to figure out his name? Yeah, yeah, because I'll Google the name of the book. Wait the a minute, I'm the... just going to Google Ahmed Chalabi. It's not, but it's, that's not the guy I'm thinking of. I know, but it'll come okay, up. Right. It'll be like people who oh, search Oh, they for also this. search for it, right. It's Kamiya. Kamiya. Something like that. And his memoir had, his memoir that he wrote when the Ba'ath Party and Saddam were still in power had the word terror in it, I think. Or maybe it was called Google like- Google sucks. Yeah, this is really hard. If you Ask don't... Chat GPT. It'll probably know immediately. Really? I've never okay, used I just looked up Iraq war key players because <clears throat> I'm smart. Yeah, here we go. And here we go. Go for it. The Iraq army. That's uh -huh. what it says. It says that was a key player. Al, Al okay, yeah. Al-Qaeda Were they actually Iraq. though? <laughs> yeah. In the end, were they really that key? Well, they were for a while. Uh, Muqtada Al-Sadar, yeah. Muqtada uh, Al-Sadar, that's the guy I was talking about. Grand Ayatollah, come on. Tariq Al-Hashami? No. That's all it has. What? Do I need to go to Fire Dog Lake and uh, remember Fire Dog Lake? We don't even have time to get into all the blogs that we used to read back in the day. Juancole.com, MediaHorizonline.com. <laughs> cursor.org cursor.org cursor was a great website actually yeah it was really useful iraqbodycount.net yeah. that was a nice website yeah that was a grim website i used to go to that website so i could find out what the latest body count was so i could so i could put it on cardboard and hang it over interstate 40 in winston-salem <laughs> from my freeway blogging i appreciate the i appreciate your adherence to the truth that you wanted I did. To I wanted to be stats. accurate. Of course. Yeah, of course. You didn't want to yeah. be called out. 21 dead this right. week. Right. Incredible. Yeah, I changed a lot All right. of minds. Chat GPT. How do I work? Let me try chat, chat GPT. Now, can I? Now, is chat. Oh, I have to log. Fuck you. I'm not doing that. Okay, I'll do it. 
No, let's finish doing this. Okay. With the music industry fractured and broken as it is, and with radio and the internet no longer offering the kind of cultural guidance you once appreciated, it can be difficult to find agreeable new sounds these days. If only, John, if only there were a way that you could get new music sent directly to your mailbox so you didn't have to fool around asking some hip young niece or nephew about what to listen to. Well, musical postcards are a new way to get music you can't get anywhere else sent directly to your home. What? Musical postcards are created 12 times a year, that's once a month, by Austin Rich, a WFMU DJ and Max Headroom podcaster with 30 years experience making zines, music, and radio. Each postcard comes with a new EP or single by one of his various projects or collaborations. Punk, experimental, electronic, cut-ups, synth explorations, field recordings, noise, collage, spoken word, space grunge. Whatever is in the hopper that month, that's what you get on your musical postcard. The only way to get these musical postcards is to sign up at patreon.com slash austinrich, where you can also sign up for mail order, CD, vinyl, or cassette clubs too. If collecting media ephemera is a hobby you still enjoy at this late stage in capitalism, then patreon.com slash austinrich is where you're going to find the goods. Patreon.com slash austinrich. Check it out and tell them the election profit maker sent you. Okay, how should I ask ChatGPT? Who was the Iraqi dissident? Who was the Iraqi exile who wrote a memoir about life under Saddam Hussein? And Other then grew- notable dissidents included Ayed Alawi. Oh, uh, was it Alawi? No, it's not him. Mossad Barzani. Nope. Okay. All right. So I'll know the I, name I, if I hear I, it. I asked it. But I asked. I didn't ask the question correctly. Um, so how would I phrase it? Say, who was the Iraqi exile who wrote a book about Saddam Hussein before the Iraq war and then grew disillusioned with the war? And the exile, the, the book was called something like Republic of, oh shit, it was called Republic of Fear. Fuck me. I did it. I did it. Okay. I'm going to see if it knows it without saying the book. I found it. Okay. Tell me the names that you read. It says Kanan Makia. That was it. It was Kanan Makia. That's who I was thinking of. Chat GPT, that's pretty good. Yeah. If you had asked Google that, it wouldn't know. So here we go. I remembered correctly. Kanan Makia. In 2003, Makia lobbied the U.S. government to invade Iraq and oust Hussein. I don't remember that name at all. As a former exile, he was a prominent member of the Iraqi opposition, a, quote, close friend of Ahmed Chalabi and an influential proponent of the Iraq war. He subsequently admitted that the effort, quote, went wrong. (laughs) You think, buddy? (laughs) You think it went wrong? Yeah. Well. And Edward Said, who was still alive back then, remember, at Columbia... Uh, was a critic of McKee and said he was a Trotskyist. God, oh my God, it's all coming back, man. Are all you these one little... of the biggest experts on the Iraq war? What's that? Are you one of the biggest experts on the Iraq war? No, because I have no interest in the actual war. The only thing I found exciting was all the all the writers fighting with each other. Like, remember after 9-11 okay. when Christopher right. Hitchens and Noam Chomsky were just like going off on each other in the in the in the pages of the Nation magazine? Right. 
to me, that was like, you know, some people like get into watching like tracer missiles bombing Baghdad during shock and awe and they love it. It makes them so excited. For me, it was that kind of stuff. You telling me Edward Said is accusing Kanan McKee of being a Trotskyist? That's like a <laughs> nuclear bomb explosion. I love it. I love that shit like so, that. People are just so, going so ham on each other. So nerdy. But I love Hitch- yeah. Christopher Hitchens and Paul Wolfowitz, like yeah, like, Paul, like Christopher Hitt- Paul Wolfowitz met Christopher Hitchens at some dinner party and was like, I think you're sending me secret messages in your essays about Iraq. And Christopher Hitchens was like, Yeah, you need to invade Iraq. He was like, Don't worry, buddy, we're gonna do it. All that kind of stuff. I like that kind of stuff. That is great. So dumb. What a fucking mistake. Anyway, we already talked about it. Okay. Okay. All right. It was a mistake. But. Yeah. Is Iraq better off today than it would be under Saddam Hussein? You think Saddam Hussein would still be in power now if we hadn't invaded Iraq? I have no idea. I think you could make a case. Here's, Here's my proposition. And I'm just thinking of this for the first time. I think you could make a case that even if Iraq is better off today oh, than, it would, than it would have been if we hadn't invaded, that it was still a mistake. Uh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've never, I've never really thought about that myself, but I think that's true. But I'm, I'm trying to think of something positive. Oh. And, and, and just to say, I guess – in the end, and maybe it would have happened on its own. The love Iraq, you save is equal to the love you gave. Yeah. Or the love you take is equal to the love you make. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Right? The Beatles said that. No, I was going to say that, that uh, Iraq still has major problems. Hmm. Uh, okay. Go but on. that it is a better place than it was when we were dropping bombs on it. Okay, right. That's probably, tr- that's probably true. <laughs> so you're welcome. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh God. Oh, but, uh, shock oh, but, and awe. Shock and awe. Remember people are so excited for shock and oh, awe. Oh my and remember, God. And all the cable news packages that with the graphic packages for oh, the war and all the sounds and stuff. It's like. From CBS News headquarters in New York, here is Dan Rather. It was just over 90 minutes beyond President Bush's deadline for Saddam Hussein to leave Iraq that U.S. warships and planes, there were F-117 stealth bombers involved, launched the opening salvo of Operation Iraqi Freedom. The attack came in waves, cruise missiles, followed by the F-117 stealth bombers with so-called bunker-busting bombs. Their target, a bunker believed to be sheltering what are called top leaders of the Iraqi regime. Now, this is what it looked and sounded like in Baghdad. It was this short, and this is what happened.
I remember, I still remember being in RDU airport and, and, you know, they had it on the TVs and there was this guy in front of me. He was just like, oh my God, that is cool as shit. <laughs> some like launching some rocket launcher into who knows what. And I oh, was just I was like, hoping, I was hoping you were going to say, he's like, that's cool as shit. And then you look down and see he's reading the nation magazine where Christopher Hitchens is calling Noam Chomsky an accomplice to fascism. Yeah, that was you. That was <laughs> Noam you. Chomsky yeah. is talking about why nobody ever criticized Clinton bombing a Sudan pharmaceutical factory back in the nineties. How can they now support the Iraq war? <sighs> Remember Abu Ghraib? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that was a trip. That was, that really was, wild. That was wild. Remember the cra- another crazy story? This is we're literally two old men sitting around talking, <laughs> trading war stories. Oh my god! Uh, Pat Tillman, that yeah. story had a nice ending. Yeah, <laughs> they fucking <laughs> they yeah. killed his own dudes. Killed him, right? Yeah, I think it was friendly fire. I don't know if he was murdered. Right. Some people's the extreme version is he was murdered for becoming publicly critical of the Iraq War. This yeah. was an NFL player. Who voluntarily enlisted in the military after 9-11 was sent the to most Iraq. handsome man ever. Right. It was just like the Republican Party was loving this. Oh my God. Yeah. And I uh, was an all-American hero. And then at some point, it was really like he got blue pilled or whatever you would say. He was like, I started reading Noam Chomsky and I was like, this is all a bunch of bullshit. What are we doing here? And then he got shot and was killed. Right. But the Pentagon lied about it for a long time and right. did not say it was friendly fire. They said he died a hero or whatever. Right. Oh my God! And then who was the? Sorry, remember the there was a there was a woman and I cannot remember her name. Who I know exactly who, who you're who talking who about. Rescued her. Yep. Yep. Was, and was that, that was fake too, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she was a God. was she a marine? She had like a real. Again, she was like from central casting. She had a real sweet, innocent face. There was a daring raid to rescue her. And then we found out years later, like we do with all this stuff years later, like, oh, that was made up. Like, it didn't happen the way they said it happened. And the pulling down of Saddam Hussein's statue. Right. That was fake. That was all stage managed and fake, right? Yeah, that was all stage managed by the CIA. Man, oh man. Uh, What was her name? I feel like it's, um, I feel like it's Jessica. Was she baby Jessica? It was was baby Jessica. No, but it was Jessica. Jessica Lynch. We're peaking right now. This this memory trip is is hit. American teacher, yep. actress, and former U.S. Army soldier. Oh, she was in the army. Okay. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious. Oh my goodness. Oh gracious. yeah. You know the crazy thing about that Charlie Rose clip with Thomas Freeman when he says "suck on this." Yeah. I hadn't realized this until I re-listened to it for the four millionth time while masturbating and crying in a corner in my room. That interview took place in June of two thousand three. And Charlie Rose opens that interview or that question by saying, now that the war is over, do you think it was worth it? It was like, that war was pretty over. <laughs> June of 2003. Uh, the war was like, oh, am I over? Let me check. Yeah, I'm pretty over. <laughs> and I'm going to be over soon. Oh, my. Oh, wow. What is there to say other than Mamma Mia? What a rush. Yeah. Time, John, for a Hollywood update. And this is, I guess we could call this SpawnCon, John. This is sponsored content because I'm here to tell everybody about a hot new TV show that's about to premiere, John, on Hulu. 
home of Dicktown, everyone's favorite cartoon. Well, Hulu's coming out with a new show, John, and it stars one of our celebrity guest investors, an old friend of you and mine, named John Hodgman. And the show is called Up Here! Exclamation point, U-P space H-E-R-E! Exclamation point. And John, it's a musical. A romantic comedy musical from Bobby Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez, who you, John, know are the Oscar-winning songwriters who brought you the songs from Book of Mormon and WandaVision. Up Here is about two young people falling in love and singing songs about falling in love in New York City in what year, John? 1999. Who was living in New York City in 1999, John? I was. Oh, God. If they sing a song about domain registration, yeah. I'd be so happy. The young couple are played by Mae Whitman from Parenthood and the Good Girls and Carlos Valdez from The Flash. I have it on good authority that they are very adorable together. Mm -hmm. Chemistry is key in entertainment, John. Yeah. And guess who plays Mae Whitman's weird dad? Uh, John Hodgman. You got it. It's uh, our old friend John Hodgman himself. And he sings. He's good at playing dads. Yeah. Well, he is a dad. He's living it. That's right. Hodgman tells me this is a really funny, toe-tapping, heartwarming rollick full of Broadway heavyweights on and off camera. For instance, the showrunner is Stephen Levinson, who wrote the book for Dear Evan Hansen, and the executive producer slash director is Tommy Kale, who directed something called Hamilton. Whoa! Here is my call to action, dear listeners. Listen to your heart and watch up here, all eight episodes dropping March 24th on Hulu. That's Hulu.com, March 24th, all eight episodes. If you like musicals, if you like fun, if you like late 90s New York City, if you like John Hodgman, this is the show for you. All right. This concludes our Hollywood update. I'd like to thank everybody who wrote in to me about the expansion of the universe and what it means and how to properly conceive of such a phenomenon. I am not yet done pondering this issue, and so I'm going to hold off on making any public proclamations about the expansion of the universe. But thanks to everyone who wrote in with analogies about balloons and raisin bread and all the other stuff. Thank you very much. John, why don't you read this listener email from Jacqueline? Okay, I will. It sounds like you had a delicious and possibly fun time in Gainesville. I wish you would have expanded upon why John has nixed future live performances, but I suppose you wouldn't want to risk insulting Gainesville or Satchel on air. I'm just kidding. Satchel sounds like a very kind, easygoing person, and one of my favorite episodes was his recording in lieu of one of your tapes. Okay, episodes, okay. Giving us listeners the history of Satchel's Pizza. Anyway, I was going to suggest that you come to Connecticut, where I live, for your next not-to-happen live performance. After all, we have pizza, buildings, and cities with skylines. In fact, I believe that Hartford, Connecticut was the first place winner of EPM's International Best Skylines Competition. I could be misremembering this, but I recall David, while he was guest bailiff on the Judge John Hodgman podcast, sharing the results of a survey that asked school-age children, who obviously didn't know any better, what city had the best skyline, and Hartford was picked as number one. That's when I first listened to your podcast. I had to find out what was wrong with these kids. I'd also like to give a shout out to John for hydrating while away. 
You may not know it, but water is indeed essential for all life on, in, and above the earth. This is important because we are made up mostly of water. And then she has a link. She says that's according to the U.S. Geological Survey. I would like to go to Connecticut. Whoa, really? You would be willing to do a live show in Connecticut? Yes, I would. I would be willing. uh, I love Connecticut. Hmm. I like parts of New England, and Connecticut is, is technically part of New England, and they have, you know, they have great rock stone walls and they have cities with skylines and they have occasional frozen ponds and probably have occasional frozen ponds horses and things they i think connecticut has it all i don't know if they have skylines i think of hartford as a skyline i don't know what other does like bridgeport have a skyline new haven i'd be willing to learn is my point i'm surprised to hear you say that i thought you were done with um live shows after our one appearance at Satchel's Pizza. I think that all live shows are different. So I think it's possible oh, that okay. um, yeah. things might be different in Connecticut. Not that things were bad in Florida. No, not that things were bad in Florida. It's no. just it's just not my forte. It was your first ever live appearance. Yeah. And you did a great job. But I can understand afterwards you could be a little shaken and being like, I don't want to do that again. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. But now I want to get back on the horse. Oh, that's what I've been waiting to hear. You want to get back? Uh, Would you call, be willing to to go to Connecticut? The grease paint, the roar of the grease paint, and the lure of those spotlights. You can't you can't get enough once you've had a taste, John. Once you've had a taste, you'll never be sated. What's the grease paint? I think that's. I think isn't that the paint you put on your face before you go on stage? Oh, what is this vaudeville? Yeah, vaudeville. Yeah, podcasting is 21st century vaudeville. What do you is think it? about that? Is that a good take? I yeah. just thought of that. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So if anyone in Connecticut wants to make it happen, a live election profit makers show, uh, get in touch. Contact electionprofitmakers.com. We will require round trip airfare comfort plus, which is kind of expensive and also housing and also a small fee. So keep that in mind. Right. But if any Connecticut listeners want to make that happen, you can email us. John, anything else you want to talk about? We really went down memory lane with the. Oh, want to talk I'm about really it? stunned at how little how little public acknowledgement. Like maybe I'm missing something because I'm not watching television news, but like the papers I subscribe to, they really haven't had all that much about the 20th anniversary of the Iraq War. I've seen some op eds from Iraqis being like, "Uh, yeah, the country still sucks. Thanks a lot." dickheads. I mean, that's not what, that's the subtext of some of these essays, but it really has not been the sort of, um, I mean, I guess they can only do so much because they're all implicated in this huge colossal fuck up. Right. 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 You're, you're absolutely right. That's what it is. It's just, it's way too close. It's the same reason that George W. Bush isn't speaking about it. He's, he can't, what can he say? Well, he did come out and say his standard line, which is he thinks Iraq is better off without Saddam Hussein. Which is the type of sophisticated and nuanced thinking that we should all we should all covet in our leaders and our strategic masterminds? I guess they just it's too close to home, and I guess it's just like kind of embarrassing, and they don't want to talk about it. I mean, I get it. I don't want to talk about embarrassing shit, the huge mistakes I've made. I'm not going to write some huge cover article about all my fuck ups, but I didn't kill hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> right in this day and age. People want apologies, big, huge public apologies. 
Yeah, but I think for some of these for some of these crimes or infractions, they're so huge. Like people want big public apologies, but it's usually for stuff that's on such a more intimate individual scale. Right. This this type of apology would implicate too many people. Too many, you know what I mean? Like Yeah. It's interesting though. Yeah, cancel culture. Really a lot of people should be canceled for the Iraq war. Yeah, they should. Really truly that's when they should it should have started. Cancel yeah, cancel culture. culture should have started with the Iraq war and they really should have been canceled. But no, you're right. There's so many players is just diffusion of uh yeah. Because they can say, but everybody thought that. And they are kind of right. Everyone but the dirty hippies like us. Yeah. Although there were massive protests with millions of people. Yeah. So it wasn't it, yes. everybody. Yes, there were. Yeah. It's just got to, if you're a fancy pants person and you work for a fancy newspaper or you, or you write books and you sell millions of copies of books and you're like really influential and stuff, it's really got to bum you out if you got something wrong and all these weirdos and college students and old hippies got something right. You can't spend too much time thinking about it, you know, because mm-hmm. that's a bummer. Because you're the smart, because it's like, but I'm the smart person. What happened? Like, I'm the one who knows more than everyone else. Was there anybody uh, big? I guess um, Phil Donahue was somebody who was, had a, a platform, was uh, and national And he was literally media. canceled. They canceled and he, the and show. He, yeah. MSNBC was like, this isn't going to work with our right. advertising budget. Um but I can't really think of anybody else other than that. Obviously, you know, Air America, did that exist at that point? People like that were speaking out. But nobody nobody in any, you know, of the major Dennis networks. Dennis every who everyone made fun of because he is a weirdo. Right. No major politicians. Paul Wellstone, I think, was opposed to it. I mean, the Iraq war vote was less lopsided than the Afghanistan vote. Like more than 20 20- – Senators, I think, voted against the authorization of. Okay. So it wasn't as lopsided as as um, authorizing Operation Enduring Freedom, which was the uh, in, invasion of Afghanistan. That's right. But still, remember mission to- accomplished. Oh, yeah, it was here accomplished. We go. Yeah. <laughs> when he came, where in do you and- think that banner is? Oh my God, that banner. Wouldn't you love would to be, should be in the Smithsonian? So much money. Right? I mean, that was yeah. an iconic banner. Oh, I could just see it. I, it's, yeah. You were out here dropping these banners on 15501 overpasses in North Carolina. George Bush was like, oh, you want a banner? I got a banner, full yeah. color, mission accomplished, on the deck of an aircraft carrier that I'm going to fly onto in a fighter jet. Wearing a cod You got to admit, he kicked, your, yeah, he kicked your ass in the banner wars. Yeah, he When did. it comes to a banner drop. But in the end, the truth of his banner was not exactly on the up and up because yeah. the mission was not exactly accomplished. Where was that? I think it was like off of San Diego or something. It was like 50 feet from shore in <laughs> yeah. San Diego. Like they, the optics <laughs> yeah. were incredible. They were masters God. of optics. Yeah. yeah. He could have swum to the aircraft <laughs> carrier. <laughs> Man. Yeah. I don't think they could get away with the Iraq war today. No way. Not with Twitter. I kind of don't think that you think Shut they could. Up. That's the dumbest take I've ever. You heard. think they what could? Are, of course they could. What, what's Twitter going to do? What do you mean? I don't you mean know. Just, I just like the like memes would just, be so brutal that Pentagon yeah. would be like, "We should stand down. We can't handle these meme assaults. I mean, there was no way to fight back. We were fighting back on Blogspot.com. <laughs> there were no organizing mechanisms. There was no. Wow. I don't know. Maybe I'm Daily wrong. Coast didn't hear that. 
Yeah, the Daily Kos, I guess. Remember that, that was, website? Uh, well, Marcos Melitsis. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting into it now. Yeah. I remember my username was JK. It's a pretty hot username. Whoa, two-character username? That's Would right. Did you post go, on Daily Coast? Yeah, go to Daily Coast. You'll find JK out there probably talking about black box oh. voting. And uh, who knows? We really should be sitting on a porch smoking pipes and drinking brandy discussing yeah. this stuff. Well, th- I bet there's a few listeners that know what we're talking about. Maybe so. Maybe so. Well, if they don't know, they better. Yeah, you better learn. Yeah. Because those who don't know history, John, are condemned to repeat it. Think about that. Heavy stuff. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. We welcome your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. Send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you want to advertise with us, email us at that same address. Contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Bye-bye. Happy anniversary, everybody. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.